Good afternoon, folks. As you know, Ed Williams here. As you know, I'm passionate about the business of aesthetic medicine as well as mentoring those who are serious about getting to the next level in life and in their business. In my podcast series, I share so many of the lessons I've learned over the years as an entrepreneur, small business owner, and uh, I've also written a book called The White Coat Entrepreneur, uh, which is basically a tell-all on essentially anything relevant to developing uh, not only a small business, but any other professional and people who are trying to run a business. So check out my website, um, Dr. Edwin Williams, all one word, E-D-W-I-N-W-I-L-L-I-M-S.com. Today's topic is negotiating and setting, setting surgery center fees versus owning your own surgery center. I get asked this all the time by friends of mine messaging me around the country. Uh, my background, I, I started in a hospital, uh, that, in a space in a hospital, and um, uh, in a, a building that was attached to it, and worked with them on negotiating fees at that time. Um, since then, 23 years, I've opened a two years ago, or 23 years ago, I opened a two-room ambulatory surgery center. I had eight rounds of accreditation. Uh, I think we're going for our eighth now. And um, uh, over the last 23 years, I have about 100 employees. It's a two-room surgery center. I've literally mentored dozens of people on this subject. So um, probably qualified to talk about it. All right. So let's let's talk about owning, you know, a, a surgery center why would someone even want to own a surgery center? Well, uh, there's a lot more efficiency in owning your own surgery center. You can control the efficiency. You can control the turnover. You know, if the turnover is not great in a hospital, you may jump up and down, you know, carry on a little bit and make noise, especially if you've got more leverage and you've got volume. I'm going to listen to you. But, um, you know, you just have more control when you have your own facility. Of course, it's uh, risky. I'm going out and starting something new, right? Um, you can control your fees. As fees start going up you know, for your patients, you can control them a little bit more. Uh, you can scale up your business uh, much more effectively. Uh, what do I mean by scaling up? You can grow your business and, and have more control of it, maybe extend the days if you want. Uh, most people don't want to. Or or grow a business. I mean, you know, all most of us have is created a job for ourselves. But if we do this right with our own surgery center, we can actually uh, grow our own um, business and have something that's an asset, which, of course, if it's done correctly, um, you could actually sell at some point and make an asset. So that's another potential reason. And, of course, just the autonomy. If, if you think back of what happened during COVID, I know some of my colleagues I mean, we opened up May 15th, which is Friday in 2020, and we were balls to the wall for the last year, um, and we're really able to absorb the volume, and we could not have done that. In fact, I have colleagues of mine around the country, some of them in our town, that couldn't get OR time. So, you know, there are the potential benefits of owning your own uh, surgery center. So, you know, how do surgery centers um, make money? How do freestanding surgery centers make money? Well, insurance-based surgery centers make money when they're a limited business model. In other words, multiple different specialties have a tough time in a freestanding surgery center because you have to specialize nursing, you have to specialize equipment. So the sweet spot is when you have a limited model, for example, ophthalmology, and that's all they do, um, orthopedics. They're cash cows. They're absolutely cash cows, orthopedic surgery centers. Um, and ENT can, if you have enough 
otolaryngologist because uh, you need a good number. You know, you've got to have maybe 12, 13, see more and more otolaryngology is being done in the office and they don't typically um, support uh, the surgery centers as much. So more and more otolaryngologists uh, have much more of an office-based um, type practice. So, you know, you need a larger number, but if you have a critical mass and you do the due diligence or run a pro, pro forma, uh, surgery centers can make money for uh, otolaryngologists as well. So that's how freestanding ambulatory surgery centers make money. They're uh, more efficient and um, um, based on time. Now, there are, they're paid differently though. You see, um, and, and as I mentioned, the real cash cows here are the orthopedic surgery centers because they can run four rooms. They can have one uh, supervising anesthesiologist and four CRNAs. So they're leveraging the surgical fees and they're leveraging the anesthesia fees. Um, and, and the way they do that is they run these. And because they get paid well on the CPT code and they have one and one half hour cases, uh, they typically do uh, much, much better than a surgery center where, you know, they're doing two hour cases or two and a half hour cases. So, you know, making money on cosmetic cases, um, it's really hard to make money on cosmetic, uh, cosmetic cases. In fact, most surgery centers really don't want us. Um, why do they not want us when it comes to cosmetic? There's just not enough. They're not making enough of a margin on the cosmetic. Uh, the other problem is that some physicians and surgeons are um, quite slow and they underestimate the amount of time that they take to do a facelift, for example, or a rhinoplasty. For example, they may book it for two, two and a half hours. Uh, there's a tight margin to begin with. And the, the, uh, if the surgeon's slow or they underestimate their time, they run over. So the difference between hospital reimbursements and freestanding versus freestanding, there's basically three different categories. Those that are uh, hospital reimbursement, there's hospital-owned surgery centers, um, and then there are truly freestanding, freestanding surgery centers. Um, the ones who stand to do the best are the hospitals themselves. I'll give you an example. For example, CPT code, uh, 14060, which is a adjacent tissue transfer, um, maybe a bilobe flap on the nose, or for example, a tripod. Let's use a tripod. You know, in our surgery center, we have a CPT code and freestanding surgery center. We get one fee or one rate. It's probably 11, 1200 bucks, maybe a little bit more at this point. The surgery center's uh, or excuse me, the hospitals have a very different reimbursement scale that most of us are not aware of. Uh, they can itemize it. You'll notice when you're working in the hospital, they count the sutures, they count the screws, they count the dressings, they count the amount of local that you give because they are itemizing every single one of these things. And the hospital gets paid almost carte blanche uh, with a margin for everything that they do. So in the hospitals, they really don't care if you take a long time to do your uh, your case. And they also don't care if you use, you take a long time, you use plates, you use expensive sutures, um, or you use things like Epicel or Tisiel on your non-insurance patients or Surgicel, because they're going to make, they're going to make money in each one of those. That's very, very different in a surgery center. It's freestanding and not associated with a hospital. I'll give you just kind of some ballparks. Surgery centers that are totally freestanding um, may see $1,100, $1,300 for a tripod fracture. The hospital may see five, six, seven, 
thousand dollars, and that's their their real numbers, and that's why um, the based on the RVUs, the hospitals do extremely extremely well, and quite frankly, under the Affordable Care Act, it's gotten worse. So now. Ambulatory surgery centers that are owned by a hospital, actually, and there's some legislation, people trying to equalize this, but there's surgery centers that are owned by a hospital um, actually do considerably better than total freestanding, freestanding surgery centers. Now, the arguments by the big, big brother, you know, the hospitals and big government is that the, the patients, quote, sicker patients are done in the hospital. And so they have a burden on them to make more in. So they have to make more money. Uh, it's egregious, actually, the difference between the reimbursement in the hospital and the surgery centers. But that's that's just the way it is. Um, hospitals, by the way, you know, make about sixty five percent of their revenue from the surgery, and that's why when you know during COVID, when hospitals were shut down, uh, they were hurting big time. Um, so if you do insurance based cases, the hospitals love you because they get pay, they get basically carte blanche and they get to itemize everything. Surgery centers like you. Because they get paid fairly well on the CPT uh, codes, uh, providing you're not an expensive user and you don't run over in time. Um, for example, we have uh, say say you're someone who really uses uh, you're an ambulatory surgery center, whether it's a hospital owned or it's a freestanding, and you do a tripod. And rather than taking 45 minutes or an hour, it takes you three hours. You may, they may be having a conversation with you that you need to, quote, do those in the hospital. And the reason why is they make a heck of a lot more money in the hospital. In our town, we have an otolaryngologist who uh, bills himself as the, uh, as the base of skull guy in the community that does all the sinus surgery. And he takes hours and hours to do his sinus cases. And they will no longer let him work in the freestanding standing ambulatory surgery center he works in the hospital. And the reason why is the hospitals make a crap ton of money on him. So um, that's just, and it's important for you to understand the economics of this when it comes time to negotiate your fee, fees. Okay. As you become busier and busier and the discrepancy in these numbers are real. Um, but, you know, as you become busy and busier, it's, it's time to start looking at your facility fees for your cosmetic patients. And, and when should you start doing it? Well, you should start doing it when you have enough, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20% of your cases are insurance or cosmetic cases. And the reason why, why is it important to start thinking about it then? Because you have some leverage because you're doing insurance cases and they make money on the insurance cases. You know, if you have just a cosmetic practice, uh, they don't really like us because they can't make enough money. And their feeling is, well, just raise, you know, go ahead and just pass the cost on to the cosmetic patient. And, you know, for my, the way I look at it, it's, it's just like Washington. You know, you can't just raise taxes. You can't just pass it on. So what is a strategy? You know, how can you use the time in your payer mix to leverage your, um, you know, to leverage yourself and start working on your cosmetic fees? Because, they they really would rather not, but but when you have when you have insurance based cases, um, they're making money on you. So let's talk about a strategy to get the most out of your cosmetic fees until such time maybe or your insurance case, cases until such time maybe that you put your own surgery center. Number one, you know, 
be credible and have a high level of integrity so that they believe in um and uh and trust you for example be on time start your cases first first thing in the day and be as efficient as you possibly can in the or with the use of your time the use of your suture the use of things like Avacil and expensive tissue things that you surge yourself. Do you really need to use these in your cases? Because, and be honest with the amount of time. Don't underestimate the amount of time that you're in the surgery center. All these things come into factor when you are starting to negotiate for cosmetic fees. If you say you're going to take an hour to do a case, and they know you say an hour and you're going to be an hour, well, that's going to be reflected in in quote the cosmetic fee. This is what I describe as your capital. This is what you have to go in to negotiate with, all right? And there are what they many of the surgery centers and the hospitals that own surgery centers or just freestanding of the AmSurge want to do, they want to charge you, quote, so much a case. I'll give you an example. So much for a facelift, so much for blepharoplasty, so much for submetal liposuction. And then they add these numbers up. If you have good capital, if you are efficient with your time and they know that, what I did was I made a good argument. I said, listen, I'm much more efficient. I didn't say fast. I'm much more efficient than other doctors doing a facelift. It's not going to take me, you know, uh, you know, the average one in town's taking three hours to do, and I do them in two or two and a half hours or whatever it is. And the same thing with blepharoplasty and same thing with rhinoplasty. If you are efficient you're, and you're honest and you're trust, they trust you, you're going to do better on those cases. And I didn't quite frankly like the model where, you know, you paid so much for a facelift because they're, they're lumping me in with the less, at least efficient doctors and in the, in the, in the high expensive users, the ones who are, you know, have to have all the toys and have all the, all the expensive suture. So what I, I, I like to do and what we actually do for our surgeon surgeons is we base it on an hourly rate. Okay. How much for the first hour? How much for the second hour? How much for the third hour? Because if I'm extremely efficient, I'm going to get, uh, you know, a brow lift, um, four lid blepharoplasty, lower face and neck lift, and submenoplasty with liposuction done a lot faster than someone who's slow. And so why should I pay the penalty on an average doubt thing? So it's important, you know, and what I did is I pushed, you know, I pushed hard for so much for this first hour, so much for the second hour. Regarding the operating room and regarding and regarding anesthesia and and you know whatever that number is that number is I mean um, you know it may be twelve hundred bucks for the first hour and then it typically drops in the second hour to maybe five or six hundred dollars and it goes thereafter. Uh, but use your your insurance cases if you have them if you're still doing insurance um, and even if it's fifty fifty. Use them to to you know if it's you start doing twenty five percent cosmetic. Use them to start negotiating your rates from day one because if you uh, if you wait too late and you just go with the rate that they use, if they know you might take your volume elsewhere, you'll you'll have their attention, especially with the insurance cases because that's where they make where they make their money. Um, when is it time to start considering building your own ORs? I don't know the answer to that, but I believe. When you have a mix of about 50% insurance and 50% cosmetic, um, that's once you're, you're doing more and more cosmetic stuff, 
um, they're paying attention. They're really realizing they're not making as much money off of you. And they're going to, it's going to, it's going to be a bone of contention with them, um, with, with your fees. Um, and that's, that's, that's real. They, they make a lot more money on your, and especially if you're doing, you know, insurance-based cases in the hospital. And by the way, if you're using, if you're using a hospital for your insurance-based cases and you're using it hospital-based ambulatory surgery center, that's the best world for you to leverage in because they're making more money in the hospital. Um, so if you decide to put your own OR or ORs in, what, you know, what is, you know, work with your accountant, run some projections and, and a pro forma to determine if you can do it. There are basically a couple of different options. You go triple HC, which is the American Federation of Ambulatory Surgery Centers. There's Quad HF, which is the was initially started um, by plastic surgeons, and there's the uh, Ambulatory Surgery Center uh, put forward by JACO. Um, you can get those, and they they that are non Medicare approved, non insurance based. And I will tell you, you know, we have and we have for 22 years had um, a Medicare approved facility. Uh, that we can bill insurance. If I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't go that route because the cost and to comply is so onerous. I would just go with Triple H C or Quad HF uh, or Jayco for cosmetic cases only, and I would do my insurance-based stuff in the hospital. Um, and then, you know, at some point, if you stop doing insurance-based stuff, there's not there's nothing lost there. Um, why not just operate? And um, and ha- uh, not have your own surgery center. Well, uh, I guess some of it depends on where you are in your career. You know, if all of a sudden you decide, say, you leave a group or big multi-specialty group, and you got five or ten years left of your career, I would just negotiate, try to get, negotiate good rates, and then work in a surgery center. But if you're early on in your career and you are able to build an asset, um, if you're able to build an asset with that, then. Um, Bear with me here. I just got to tell someone. Uh, if you're able to build an asset there, then uh, you know maybe maybe it's worth having a surgery center. I mean, I will tell you during COVID, I'm glad we had our surgery center when everyone else was getting shut out. Um, there are also other reasons, or just you know, strength in negotiation. Your negotiation is only as good as um, Plan B. Okay, it's only as good as Plan B. If the if the hospitals know you have a surgery center, you're going to be able to have better negotiation than if you, you know, if you have no negotiation, you go in and you're trying to negotiate and you don't have another option. In other words, if you got two or three surgery centers that are vying for your insurance-based cases, okay, the two or three, you know, the, the pair mix that you have, you're going to do better. Um, so, you know, there may be some ad- advantages um, of, of that. And, and as you scale up your op- operations, I've been approached by private equity a couple of times to buy our surgery center. So we have value and asset there that is growing. So that, that may be part of the decision is why, you know, should I put my own surgery center in? What about letting other people use uh, your surgery center? You know, it is hard to make that work. You're certainly not going to make money by having other doctors come in. Now, there are some places where it does make sense, for example, in New York City uh, or really high rent you know, high rent district areas, you just can't let that thing sit there while you're not operating. And so if you, you can, but the reality is um, it's really best. You get your best revenue per unit time when it allows you to be more efficient. In other words, 
there is nothing. There's absolutely nothing that will generate more revenue per unit time than you in an operating room on a on an aesthetic patient who's coming from out of town and paying what we call out of town fees. Um, you know, you can kid yourself and think you can make it is, but but to think you're going to make money on other people, it's hard to justify. Unless of course they are part of your business model, they're part of your practice. Um, so as a strategy. Um, you know, if you can grow it organically and add, you know, whether it's one room or a second room and add and, and, and grow your revenue in your surgical practice um, and be more efficient and put more to the bottom line, that's really the best use of your own uh, surgery center versus bringing other doctors in and letting them use it. Don't kid yourself and think you're going to make money on them. Uh, I always say if we break even in our surgery center, uh, I'm a happy guy because I can generate more revenue as a surgeon there than I can anywhere else. If I can do three face, deep plane facelifts in a day, and, you know, do some eyes and other things in there, you know, on those same patients, there is nowhere else I can do that. Uh, I'm lucky if I could do one in the hospital uh, or an ambulatory surgery center elsewhere, whereas I can run two rooms and go back and forth. Um, other doctors tend to be jealous of you. So they say they're going to use it and, you know, you buy them equipment and, so, you know, I would say, you know, be selfish, keep it to yourself. Um, how do you deal with um, doctors? I get this question a lot. How do you deal with doctors, including those in your practice, who run over on their cosmetic cases? You know, uh, for example, uh, one of our doctors is supposed to do a tummy tuck with liposuction and a breast dog, and they book it for whatever, five, four and a half hours or four hours, and they run over because this is a real problem how do you deal with doctors who all of a sudden you know it's easy to, for time to go by and all of a sudden you find out that you know dr x is now using all this tissue glue or tissue adhesive that you weren't and that's extremely expensive expensive or or they've changed their suture and now they have to have these barb sutures and you know you're using suture that's five and six and seven dollars a piece and and they're using very expensive suture well, here, here's how you do it. You, you have to evaluate it each year. Again, the margin is, is tight on, on, on surgery centers. And so if you don't want to lose money, you know, I always, even if you're making 10 or 15% margin, um, then, you know, then at least you're viable. And that allows you to scale up your surgical practice and make more money than you possibly could if you were just working somewhere else. So what we do is, is we have an, an hourly room rate. I'm just going to throw numbers out there. Say it's 750 for the first hour, 500 for the second hour, and then we add on the cost for the doctor to uh, to do their thing. It, you know, and and these are hard costs. We add in the supplies, add in the suture, we, and we and then we adjust it every single year. And you have to because it's so easy when you're running at a tight margin for all of a sudden a doctor's using $250 or for example, $500, have, you have a doctor that comes in and says, I need Evacil. I want to start using Tisil and Evacil for my facelift. That's 500 bucks. Um, added to every case, you're, you're now losing two or $300 a case on, on those. So we evaluate it every single year. And of course, the woman who runs our surgery center is wise enough uh, that if there's a change, a significant change in what, um, you know, what a doctor is using, in other words, they ask for X, She'll bring that to my attention and we'll, we'll start a conversation. What do you do when, you know, when doctors, um, you know, doctors are, are running over on their time? Well, you know, 
again, it's okay if you're in the hospital and it's an insurance-based case because they're getting paid every minute they're in there. They're getting paid for all the itemized stuff. But if it's a cosmetic case, somebody's got to pay for that. I mean, the patients don't want a surprise. Oh, by the way, your doctor ran over and, you know, the extra $300 an hour and, you know, and plus anesthesia, uh, we're going to balance bill you. I mean, I don't want that for my cosmetic patient to get a bill all of a sudden. So we actually charge the doctor. And it's interesting because you'll get pushback initially. You'll get pushback. People don't like that. You know, doctors don't like that. We don't like to be held accountable. But the reality is if they have to write a check um, for their time running over, um, then then they're they're gonna be they're gonna be held they're gonna be accountable and, and, and it's gonna stop happening. Well trust me, we've been there. And um and, and they do. All of a sudden they, they make sure that they're more reliable and accurate on their booking. You know, doctors tend to be givers, so they, they want to give, they wanna make keep the surgical facility fee as low as they can for the patient, but in reality, um, you know, they end up in and, and, and they'll be more realistic with their time. They're not gonna book, you know, rhinoplasty that takes them an hour and a half, they're not gonna book book it for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes if they have to pay the difference between going back. What we do is we give a little, you know, grace or a little wiggle room. I think we give our, our surgeons one hour or uh, maybe two hours a quarter of running over time before they actually have to pay the difference. Now, it's a give and take situation if the doctors are are running under you know, 15 minutes, half hour, whatever, and then they run over an hour and it all adds up and they're only running over 30 minutes. In other words, you, you can't, you got to have it both ways. You got, if they're running under uh, on some, running over a little and all adds up. But, but in reality, if a doctor's running over so much, more than one hour and a quarter, we, we, we charge them the balance of the difference. Um, and so, so again, uh, you know, in summary, um, we as surgeons make the most revenue per unit time with a scalp on our hand in a well-run, efficient surgery center. Nothing can beat that model. I, I can assure you, I've looked at everything. Uh, I don't care how busy you are with, with fillers. Nothing can beat that model. Ideally, um, it is best to have your own surgery center. Why? Because you, one, you have an asset. Number two, you can leverage your time. I'm a, I'm, I'm a time freak. Uh, I know time is not money. Time is my life and I don't want it wasted. I certainly don't want it wasted. I'll tell you a story. We had to shut our surgery center a few years ago down uh, for reasons I don't need, I can't get into right now because there's not enough time. But I went over to the ambulatory surgery center that was run by our major hospital and it was a, it's a freestanding six room facility. And I remember finishing a case cause you know, I had a busy day there and all, one of the one of the um, uh, aides or one of the um, uh, nurses that was running the room says to me because the case breaks and whatever and where I'm going to get ready to see the next patient. She goes, now, Doctor Williams, you might you better go get yourself a cup of coffee. Uh, I'm because you know this is different over here. You know we you know, we we it's going to be a while. We're going to be a while. And I, I thought I was going to have a stroke. But imagine doing, I thought to myself, imagine doing this every single day. I knew we were coming back to open back our surgery center back up again. Um, we basically had some real dysfunction. I ended up firing anesthesia and it was a real hardship for a month or two. I had to use the other surgery center, but um, we ended up you know, coming back. So, so why do you want your own surgery center? If you can, if you're going to be in practice long enough, ideally, um, you know, you're not going to be, first of all, you got an asset, you got something to sell. Somebody will buy it. Uh, you can leverage your time, your efficiency and everything else. And the reality is the hospitals are not going to be your friend. Okay. Once you're doing all cosmetic 
applications because they just can't make enough money. And it's always going to be a bone of contention depending on how busy you are. So I hope that I've given you um, some, some helpful hints and tools. Uh, if you have any questions, you know, please uh, submit them on my Instagram. Uh, and send them. Uh, it's, I'm at Instagram at edwin.williams.md. Or send them to um, uh, my email. And my web is Dr. Edwin Williams, all one word, dredwinwilliams.com. If you have any other topics and you have questions you want, send them to me. I'll answer them on my next podcast. If you have uh, any other ideas for a podcast that you'd like to hear in the future, by all means, um, send them uh, send them to me as well. So I hope you found this useful, and um, I really appreciate you listening to my podcast. Uh, these have become very, very popular and really taken off. Uh, and do share them with your friends. Um, and send me questions and things you'd like to hear in the future. All right. Hope you have an awesome day and thanks for listening.